All right. Welcome back to another episode of the CTO Studio. From Seven CTOs, my name is Etienne De Bruyne, and you're in the CTO Studio. I'm here with Etienne. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. You want to talk about something interesting? Definitely want to. So here's a riddle for you. What is something that everyone has that no one really talks about, that we sometimes forget about, that we ignore, that if we didn't, it would make a huge difference in our C-suites and in our leadership and with our families and friends? Do I know the answer to this? I think you do. But... Really think about it for a second. I got stuck on makes a huge difference in our C-suites. Vulnerability. That's a good one. Safety. (laughs) Openness. The willingness to be with just crazy disagreements. I'm always struck by how when there's a sense of a disagreement, then danger sets in and everyone's, oh, this is the end of the world. I always think about that, like how we've figured out how to live in space yet we still get uncomfortable when there's discord. All of those things relate to what I'm talking about, but they're not, you didn't name it, so you lose. However, they relate, so you get partial credit, is needs. Every single one of us has needs. Most of us don't talk about it inside of that framework. We forget that we have needs. Once our basic survival needs are taken care of, the rest is just how we operate in life. But What do you think? Do you know what the needs are of the C-suites? The word that comes to mind for me is just the validation, the need to feel validated, the need to feel valued, included. But what came to mind for me really, as you said, that was how I feel like nine out of 10 times I discredit, I, I don't see it as a need. I see it as oh, it's this professionals don't have this problem or mature leaders don't feel this childish feelings I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a struggle that I have. I personally have all the time. Like I'm not supposed to be feeling this. I'm not supposed to have this need. Yeah, it's almost needs have been placed inside of this category of a young age. Like you have needs then and they get taken care of. And that as we get older and we grow and get into bigger roles with more responsibility, we reframe it. It's not like needs. It's just like the thing we have to do or the thing we have to get. As children, needs are these things that, that just get met. It's, and it's, I think it's, it's open and acceptable that a kid would have needs And that's an interesting sort of image for me that needs are cool with kids and somehow you're supposed to grow out of it. Yeah, I think we live in a paradox, which is that the more responsibility you have and the older you get and the more leadership and more great high performer that you are, the less you have needs. I'm just realizing now that in this whole servant leadership model slash leading from behind model, you put your needs second Mm -hmm. to your people's needs. Yeah. And while needs aren't really like a revolutionary conversation, because it's very clear that we all have them, I think what is pertinent about this conversation is actually owning that we do and that 
we might not be that great at getting our needs met. And maybe we are in some areas of life and maybe we are in others. But like for the CTO, is the CTO really good about getting their needs met in their C-suite? And if they're not, do they know how to shift that? I'm just thinking about the fact that I, I can't help but think that I, my needs are not my need. My What is a need? Because you have the, is it something my ego needs? Is it something my, is it coming from a good, healthy place? Is it coming from a bad place? Is it coming from a bad habit? Oh, that person needs validation for everything they say. That doesn't mean that person, is that person's need legit? Mm-hmm. Or should they get over themselves? It's a really fuzzy place. Yeah, it is fuzzy. And I think the way, the place we have to start is that by inherently being alive, there is something you need. Whether you're a CTO, an engineer, a plant, or a dog, right? There's something just by breathing, there's something that you need. And then I think what you brought it to is that there's so many contexts and narratives and social conditioning that has us judge certain needs and not others or um, rely on people just to get it met themselves and not have to bring it forward to other people. So it's a juicy conversation, but I think the intention between you and I is let's actually have that conversation because if you have a bunch of needs that aren't being met as a CTO, what's the impact on your team, on your leadership, in the C-suite? Yeah, I think the what is the need could be defined. We could talk about that. But in the end, there there is impact for when someone's need, wrong, good, bad, who cares? When someone has a need that's not being met, there is impact. Yeah. And if we, so I think anytime we talk about needs, most people are going to think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that the idea that to be healthy, you have to get some needs met. And we know that it's like physiological, food, water, et cetera, security, safety, love and belonging, self-esteem, self-actualization, is that you can't really expect to have one without ensuring that the rest are taken care of. At least as you like go up the, the hierarchy. Yeah, and I think Maslow's point was that hierarchy, which is, yes, you can't take care of the one without the other. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have security in your C-suite and feel safe, then how it makes sense that you wouldn't have self-esteem in the C-suite either or like a full understanding of who you are. Yeah. And I think if we apply that hierarchy to the C-suite, it would be interesting to, like you said, ask myself if, if my safety needs are not being met, actually safety to me from this graph looks like uh, physical safety personal security, employment, resources, health, property. Is that, is that, do you agree? Yeah. Emotional security. Oh, emotional. That's good. So I think security literally means like having, like physically having, being safe, but also emotional security, which would be. Yes. And safety also has to do with social stability, freedom from fear. Yeah. So if I was to, if I was to consider, this is interesting because if I was to consider that I'm in a, let's call it an abusive C-suite. So I cannot feel safe because I don't know who's showing up, who's going to attack me or who's going to attack the next person or emotional outbursts. And so there's really, 
there really is no safety inside of that C-suite, then my ability to feel belonging, friendship, intimacy, whatever in that C-suite is basically not, it's dead on arrival. And then my sense of self-esteem, my status and recognition in the group is gone. And of course, self-actualization is out the door. Can one apply it that way? I think so. I think one could also apply it in terms of, of a scale. Hey, where did I go wrong? I won't say where did I go wrong, but like, where did I, how is it that I'm not experiencing self-esteem around my role? Oh, it's because I don't actually have love and belonging with my C-suite or with my team. Or again, like not having an understanding of who you are or what your purpose is and what your role is in the C-suite, it might be like, oh, because you know what? I just don't experience self-esteem here. So let me work backwards. So I think both of those work. I think what's interesting about the hierarchy, and this doesn't have to be the only way you think about needs, right? This is just one person's theory, but that it actually can be an indicator of, oh, if something's missing, let me look at this and see what am I missing? What are the needs of mine that aren't being met? And oh, it's Mm. like emotional security. Got it. So if I don't have emotional security, it's clear that I can't have love and belonging in my C-suite. So what do I need to do to create emotional security? I, I love that because what it opens me up to is, A, I'm empowering my observation. I'm saying, hey, this doesn't get dismissed. This is real. I feel like crap when I am in these meetings. The natural tendency would be to say, there's something wrong with me. I need to buck up. I need to show up as a CTO, as a leader. I, But then if you empower the fact that you are feeling this way and that there's somewhere to look for about this, now I can be curious, like, well, hang on, what's going on here? What What is happening? Empowering our observation can fuel curiosity about the situation. Yeah. I also think it makes you feel grounded in your experience. Oh, it makes sense. If I don't have this, then I can't create that. So this isn't about me. This isn't about my team. This is simply as a human, if this security is missing, of course, it's going to be really hard for me to have an experience of self-esteem. So now what do I actually need to work to that place or to get that thing? Again, it just brings to me It brings the humanity back into the role. Oh, I'm having this experience because I'm human. (laughs) Let me look at what this human experience is so that I can better have the CTO experience that I want. And my, if I reflect on my own career as CTO, I can really resonate with this notion that I can, when I lose my confidence in the C-suite, i.e. on Maslow's hierarchy, I think it's esteem second from the top, I could probably trace it back to the fact that I don't feel the quote unquote love in whatever meeting I'm in or whatever group or team I'm in. Mm -hmm. It affects my confidence. Now, uh, a a, a mechanism that I've tried to adopt, and and it'll be interesting to hear what you think about this, is to say, screw the environment. I am going to go bulldoze my way. I'm going to just be confident and be esteem, regardless of how incredibly unsafe I feel right now in this group. For instance, at the cocktail party where you're supposed to chat with people and you're terrified of mingling with people, 
to say, regardless of that environment, I am going to go out and mingle, even if you're terrified inside. Yeah, maybe. I guess someone could frame it. I don't know the answer to what you just posed, but someone could frame it like, is it potential that if you create the experience of self-esteem and confidence that you actually meet that need and thus have a feeling of safety and belonging? I don't know. It's interesting. That would be very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think your question opens up a different conversation if we move away from Maslow and we just like, what's the difference between wants and needs? I'm going to say that the wants, I'm just going to spitball. I feel like wants are easier for me to access than needs. So it's easier for me to say, well, I want recognition. I want acknowledgement, but it's harder for me to say, actually, I need it. And, and, and it feels needy to say that I need it. It's so funny you say that. I feel like it sounds to be really clear and to know yourself so well that it's like, hey, I don't actually, it's not about wanting this. This is what I need to perform at my highest level. Now I'm going to go create it. I feel like there's ownership in needing, but it's, I wonder, I don't know. Do you think that's from like me coming from more of the coaching world and you coming more from the technology world? That is very interesting because I think the way, if I can be self-aware and manage myself so well that I can just walk into a room and say this, hey, this is what I need, by the way. I need this and I need this and I need that. Yes, I can see how that sounds very powerful. It sounds super attractive right now. <laughs> but then how does that, how, why do we have this thing called neediness? Oh, that person's needy. Um, yeah, of course. My The first place my head goes, and maybe it's just because it's a result of this conversation in general, is what if? People who aren't present to their needs and are just so present to their wants and continually mix up their wants as they constantly are asking for what they want, which is maybe more superfluous than a need, then that person becomes seemingly needy because they're always, it, I think it's like a, that you're taking or that you're trying to always get, get. I love that because it's basically the signal that this person, no matter if you give them what they want, what they say they want, they're still going to need to want more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and said that way as a coach, what I hear is that if someone came to me and they kept being like, I need this and then they get it met. And they're like, I need this and they get it met. And I need this, I get it met. I might be like, hey, I, I don't actually clear if we're actually getting on the thing you actually need because you keep searching for something. What did we say the difference is between a want and a need? I guess for me, a need is something that there's an inherent thing that if we established, curated, created, generated, or had, it would produce a particular result for us. It would give us something that is going to bring us power, fulfillment, success, efficiency. A want isn't, a want is more, I don't want to say shallow, but like a want is more like I desire this thing, but it's not, if I don't get it, it's not going to get in the way of me producing this result. Mm. And I, if we say it that way, then I think it's really important to know the difference as a CTO or anyone in the C-suite, because there might be something you want, but if you don't get it, you can still produce a result. So knowing what the need is, because to need it means you get to produce the result, that would be a really powerful thing to be aware of. Yeah, and I feel like that's also the... If I consider our recent conversations around being intentional in our relationships, imagine if I could just tell you, hey, for me to function, I need this and I'm giving you the keys for how I can get my needs met. Mm -hmm. 
or how to make me work or how to make me function. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that's what I appreciate about Maslow's hierarchy is if it starts at the physiological needs, mm-hmm. moves up to safety and then to love and belonging and then to esteem. These are not wants. These are need. These are things you need in order to produce, to feel like you're contributing to, to f- fulfillment. And I think that's what I'm learning in this moment is that needs are not optional and wants are. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that we have a lot, we probably have quite a few needs that we actually don't get met. And so we're fine without them. And I think part of the power of this conversation is noting what needs do I not realize I have that if I was more attuned to and I knew how to get them, it would produce a whole different experience of my role, of my team in my C-suite. That is, that's amazing. To be able to just stop and say, there's a need that had I been able to have it fulfilled in this environment, this company, this place, you're going to get 10x version of me. But that I'm used to not getting it because of 10, 20, 30 years of something. And I know how to function. I've learned how to get that fulfilled in a different way, maybe, or not at all. And then to live in the shadow of that. Yeah. And again, this isn't, oh my gosh, now everyone needs to build their life around their needs and tell everyone. It's, this is just one more tool. If we're not producing the result we want, or we're not having the experience in our C-suite that we want and the relationships we want. Oh, it, maybe needs is a place to look. Like, what's the thing that's missing here? It, it takes courage to look at your peers or look at your C-suite or friends even and communicate those needs. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sometimes, whenever I have a revelation that I have, this is a need that's not getting met. For instance, feeling connected to people. I had a coaching session yesterday with my coach and I I described to her how I, in order to get my tasks done, if I feel connected to people, I can get those tasks done. I can, I'm part of something. I am moving forward with a team. And the way in which I was describing it to her was like there was something wrong with that. And she kept reframing it as, well, what if that, there was nothing wrong with that? What if that's just how, that's just how you work and that's your need. And I was really struck by how hard it was for me to accept that and not to see it as a deficit or an issue that I have. Dude, you should be able to do your tasks, standing at attention and two in the morning and get it done, be disciplined, be have self-respect. I have all these words in my head. I, gosh, I don't even know where that's coming from right now. My dad. But to, in a vulnerable moment, to say to my coach, actually, I need, I, I just need to feel connected. And, and that's when I can get a lot done. Mm-hmm. And that's not wrong. That's just how Etienne de Bruin works. Yeah. And then you have a roadmap of what to do next because of it. Yes, because now it's okay for me to seek connection as a, as a way of sourcing myself so that I can versus regardless of if I'm sitting next to a landing strip and airplanes are landing, can you still do the work? 
So I just, I'm just thinking how much pressure, especially if you've gotten to the C-suite, regardless of if you've bootstrapped something or if you were hired into a high-powered position, the amount of self-talk that we've done to get there and the amount of denial of our needs. And I'm just really wondering about how CTOs are, are feeling about that. It's, if it, when you frame it like that, it's like people are asked to be in a role or a space where they have to show up and be their best and where what they might need doesn't matter, which is like a really interesting paradigm to ask of someone. And it's probably, we probably asked that of ourselves. Yeah. But that is amazing. That is an amazing image. Mm -hmm. We need to actualize this person to give the absolute best. And if they have needs, then they are weak and they should be chopped at the knees. Mm -hmm. So what are some like questions you would want to leave our people thinking about? Like for me, one is, do you actually know what your needs are inside of your C-suite? I think that I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if our people even haven't given themselves 10 minutes to think about that. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the empowering of it. It's, there's the self-censorship. This is not okay. I wonder even in forums, in the peer groups, mm-hmm. are we going to be able to admit to each other that, hey, I, this is what I need? Yeah, that's a really cool question and something to, for people to consider. Do I bring my needs to my forum? Like when I bring my challenge, what's the need it's connected to? Yeah. Yes. I really I loved uh, one of our people, Alan Leard, when we spoke about the team alliances, he said he wants to, he loves the challenge processing and he loves the process we go through, but he wants to know what is the emotional impact it's having on you. And I just thought, wow, that is such an insightful way to think of our challenges are not these robotic square boxes and perfect circles intersecting with little arrows pointing at them. Mm-hmm. It's a mushy, messy need for a hug or a, or acknowledgement or it's really incredible. It's asking ourselves what our needs are. I would start like that we have needs first and that like it's okay and it's powerful and reasonable to have needs. Then it's what are they? And then Do you know how to get them met? Are you getting them met? And what's the impact? If you're not, yeah. It's very good. Very good. It was mildly therapeutic. Someone once said to me that my, who, uh, high powered CEO boardrooms and IPOs. And I was visiting him once and he always struck me when the way in which he said it. And he's talked about how in the boardrooms that he's in, how needy, he used the word needy. They're like children who didn't get their needs met. And that's how they're showing up in the boardroom, fighting, arguing, drawing a line, threatening. And, and it, it always just struck me how we show up as these adults who then act like little children whose needs are not being met. What do you think about that? What are you hearing when I describe that? What I hear is like why it's so important to know what your your needs are and not to get them met. Because if you don't, there's like an impact on how you show up and how you relate to others. And maybe that is where we have like fear of confrontation or not relating to ourselves as powerful because we go back to a little kid place. So I think that 
Yeah, that's what I heard. I don't know if that's what you thought I was going to hear. No, no, I'm hearing that because then I'm taking that and I'm thinking, wow, the impact public company, series D company on people's lives, hundreds of employees, millions of customers, that little meeting in the C-suite or in the boardroom, if it's governed by unmet needs, a lack of awareness, be unmet, see at cause, then everyone's at impact of this is what the CEO has decided because they are now at odds with their C-suite and they're not going to prove that this next quarter something's going to happen. And you could say that if there's so many unmet needs in one boardroom or one room or one C-suite, then you could probably surmise there's not much self-esteem, love and belonging, safety, self-actualization, which I have it as an agreement among successful people and high performers. I think we're all asserting that we actually do have all of those and can perform in them. So why aren't we? So let me just end off with a quick scenario and you can just talk me through it. So what happens in... The tension that exists in, in, in C-suites, in SaaS or tech companies is we came up, we have a business objective. The CTO was sent to go and deliver it. The CTO might be new. They might be around for a while. They go out, software development, hardware development is hard, filled with complexities that even at the best planning efforts can fail and not deliver. and. Now, when there's a delayed in delivery or there's an increase in scope or cost balloons, CTO has to go back to the C-suite and report on this situation. I'm trying to think right now, well, what is my need as CTO when I have to go break bad news to the C-suite? Generally, I could say I, want, I need them to understand. I need them. I need grace. I need high fives, I need encouraging words. But if I consider the the Maslow hierarchy or if I consider, is that a situation where it would behoove me before I go into these meetings to ask myself, what do I need? I think so. Because if you've ever, if you've ever led someone before and they show up and they're like, none of this is working. And you're like, okay, what do you want from me? What do you have a plan? So one of the ways that I always try to train coaches is if there's something you, you've never done before in leadership, first asking me what I would do, tell me what you think you would do. And then we build from there. So you're actually training yourself to see things a different way. And that provides value because then I know what you've been up to, how you think about things, et cetera. I would apply that to the same conversation in that if you actually look at what you need and what's missing and then can come to the C-suite and say, hey, here's what's going on and here's what I need, it's a whole lot more powerful than to be like, here's what's going on. <laughs> I think that's so brilliant. I think that's so brilliant. If I can just tell you how many times I went into those meetings with not knowing what I need, <laughs> but just feeling embarrassed, concerned, upset, self-loathing, uh, bruised. Yeah. And I think also there's this other side to it. You might not know what you need and 
that is powerful to actually say that too. But it's like in the absence of being present to either knowing what it is or not, there's not really many where you could go. Mm. So you could go to your C-suite and say, I don't know what I need. I need someone to talk it out with me to figure it out. Can you imagine saying that? Hey, C-suite, I don't know what I need right now, but I'm going to share with us the status of where we are. I really think that is the, if there's something that our people take from this, it's just, it's that. And it, it actually is cool because it, it incorporates all the things you said when I was joking at first saying, what's the thing we all have that we don't know? Da, da, da. And you said vulnerability, willingness, courage, right? It's yes. To speak your needs, it actually incorporates all of those things. So does one need insane courage to be able to just be at that place where you could say, hey, I don't know what I need or hey, this is my need. I'm going to give you the bad news and this is what I need. Does that require insane confidence and courage? I feel like insane is inside of your context and narrative in some sort of way. Like it could just be like, yes, it requires courage. And maybe for some people it is insane and for some people it's not, right? But I think that demonstrates to you the relationship you have with your C-suite and how you actually, if you relate to yourself as an equal, right? Like when there's something you need and you're in a partnership with your spouse, a friend, it's very like, hey, this is what I need. And you don't really think much of it. But if you have fear and you're not relating to yourself as equal and powerful, then you might be like disempowered to share your needs. Mm. So whether you learn how to, either way, it's a really good indication of I don't actually feel powerful in my C-suite or feel like equal. I love that. Food for thought. Yeah. So just to quickly recap, we're going to think about, I have, do I, I have needs mm-hmm. and you just be empower that thought. Like I have needs. There's nothing wrong with it. Secondly, can I write to myself, what are the needs that I have? And can I share that maybe with my peer group or my friends? These are my needs. Then to be aware of what happens when, or how do I get those needs met? And then to say, what is the impact when those needs are not being met. Yeah. And I think that last question is important because there might be some needs that are being met and it's okay. Do I need to like figure this out right now? Do I need to jump into action to figure out how to do this? Or it's okay. The impact is actually average or mediocre. So I can, I know that there's this need here, but I don't need to jump into figuring it out. Versus you might realize you have a need that's not being met. And what is the impact? Oh, it's that we're not producing results. We're not scaling at the rate we should be scaling at. We can't hire the person we need to hire. Okay, clearly, like, I need to look at this need and figure out how to get it. Okay. Cool. Nailed it. Thank you, Brittany. You'll be here all week. I will be here all week. Introducing you.